You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube channel at SCC Morganton. You know, we can't sing a song and talk about how as a child of God, we were beggars and now we're royalty. We are the house of God. We can't sing a song about God being that way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, the Lion of Judah. We can't sing a song about no one else will do, nothing else will do. I just want you without asking, me asking you, what's up in your life? What's happening in your life at this very moment? Is there something you would stand up right now and say, God, I got something going on and I need you to let me know that I'm royalty in your family. I need you to let me know that you are the way maker. I need you to know that I know that nothing else will do. I just want you. If you've got that in your life, stand up where you are. Don't stand because somebody else does. Just stand because say, yes, I got it right now. Pray, Father, for those who have stood this morning, standing in your presence, declaring that they have need in their life, need that they need to know, rest assured they are royalty in your family, no longer a beggar, needing to know that you are the way maker, that promise keeper, miracle worker in their life declaring by their standing that they want nothing else in this world but you. They need you and nothing else in their lives, in this moment, in this situation that is before their eyes, before their hearts, before their ears, that God, you're there. I pray this of every person standing today, that they would truly experience this in you. They would experience you in all that you are, all that you promise, fully who you are in being that omnipotence, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, all-present God everywhere all the time. God, thank you so much for being our good, good Father. As we'll declare today, being our good Dad. We lift it to you today. We all lift it to you today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We're in a series still called The Best Sermon Ever. Christ's first message he preached called The Sermon on the Mount. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about prayer in his journey through the Sermon on the Mount. For us, it's been several weeks before we got back to prayer once again. But in this message, you got to understand, Christ, in just a few moments in his sermon, preached about prayer, taught about prayer, went through giving and serving and all these kind of things. He comes right back to prayer a few moments later. For us, what was weeks was for him just a few moments. He circles back around to talk about, to preach about, teach about prayer once again. And by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount, there are more verses, more words on prayer than any other topic in this whole sermon. Now, why would that be? Why would Jesus circle back around so quickly about prayer 
Why would there be so many verses about prayer in this one sermon? I believe it's this. Prayer changes everything. Many people say prayer changes things. I wish we'd change that and say prayer changes everything. And the hard part about it is this. In everything, you know what happens? Prayer even changes me. Prayer changes everything, even me. Prayer connects us to the change maker whose name is Jesus, who taught these very words to us. In his famous book, his great book on prayer by Tim Keller, Tim Keller said this, said, Prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of pursuing His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace, and the struggle of asking His help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. That's prayer. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus lays out for us what I want to call the A-S-K of prayer. Christ goes to us, teaching us, letting us know that prayer is about asking and seeking and knocking. If you look at the first letters, those three words by the acrostic spell, ask. Asking, seeking, and knocking. Now in this passage today, he gives us three things, but one truth. The command to pray, the promise of prayer, and he illustrates it for us. The illustration of prayer. On the screen you'll see this. The ask command of prayer, the ask command of promise, the ask illustration of prayer. Now, if you got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to begin reading at verse 7 itself. Now, in verse 7, Jesus lays it out quickly. He jumps in and he tells us, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you? If his son asks for him for bread, we'll give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Years ago, Andrew Murray wrote this in With Christ in the School of Prayer. He said, it's Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. Not once. Only how to pray. He did not speak much of what it was needed to preach well, but of praying well. He said to know how to speak to God is more important than knowing how to speak to man. No, not power with man, but power with God is the first thing Jesus loves to teach us how to pray. Christ's instruction here is very straightforward. He says, I command you, I promise, and I illustrate it for you in this illustration itself. Now, so often, I'm going to confess. So often I think there's a tendency, as I have in my life, maybe you're with me, maybe you're not, but there's a tendency to stop at verse 7. I stop at the ask and the seek and the knock, and I feel like at that point I'm supposed to get what I want, how I want it, and when I want it. Has anybody felt guilty of that before? Man, me, I've frozen myself many times at that one verse, but we have to read this as a whole to get to the truth that Jesus is pointing out to us. He's saying we ask, we seek, and we knock because God promises to give. And God gives because He's a good Father who gives good gifts to His children. And it helps in this passage to read it in reverse. Going from verse 11 up to 7, we read that, God is our good Father who gives good gives gifts to His children. 
And as his child, we have his promise that he does answer, he does give. So knowing that, good father, good God, giving good gifts, knowing that I ask and I seek and I knock. Now the first thing he does in breaking this down is this, the command of prayer. Verse 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Those three words for ask, seek, and knock in the Greek language are in a term called, it won't mean much in a moment until I explain it, present second person active imperative. Now, pass that in English class. That all basically means this. It is a straight up command. That's what it means. Rather than that present second person active imperative, say it's a command. That's what it is. It is a command to us, to me, to you, to God's children, to ask, seek, and knock. It tells us, this is not just a one-time, just simple prayer, spoke it, done. You know what it means in this command? It's words that are repetitive. It says you, you ask, and you ask, and you keep asking. You seek, and you seek, and you keep seeking. You knock, and you knock, and you keep knocking. That is the command Christ gives us. It's a progression. Not only is it repetitive, keeps on, but it is, a, it is a progression in these three verbs that Christ uses. Asking is obviously the first step. He says ask, then seeking is asking plus acting. Knocking is asking plus acting plus persevering. Christ's challenge is very clear. He commands us, do not stop praying no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter how you feel at the moment, do not stop praying. He says you pray desperately, consistently, persistently, and purposely. He says never stop praying. In Luke's gospel, Christ tells us two parables about prayer and how we are to pray to illustrate further. Now Luke is very bold. In the first one, in chapter 18, he tells us the basic point of the parable before he actually tells us the parable. In Luke 18, just listen to this. In verse 1, he says, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. He said Jesus is going to illustrate how we're to pray and not give up. Now, why would that be the point of his parable? Why would he say, I'm teaching you to pray and not give up? Why would you and I give up? Why would we lose heart in prayer. The reason is we do not receive as we think we ought to receive. When we want to receive it, how we want to receive it. And we decline. We move backwards in our prayer life. Jesus is telling us when we do this, is happening, we must keep on praying. We were seeking and yet to find. We're asking and yet to hear. We're knocking and the door is still shut. And he says, keep on praying. Remember the famous speech by Jim Valvano? His famous line, don't give up, don't ever give up. Well, I'll tell you, that was Jesus' statement before it was Jim Valvano's. Jesus says, do not give up, don't ever give up in your prayer life. Don't do it. Perseverance, persistence is the key. Here's how he illustrates it. Verse 2, he says, There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. Man, what a guy. <laughs> and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. 
For while he was still willing, unwilling to butt later, he said himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. <laughs> so she won't pester me or wear me out. I'm just going to give her what she's asking. You know, it doesn't matter how many times we get knocked down. All that matters is if we get up one more time then we were knocked down. If you don't if you give up on something, you truly believe in it, you will find a way. That sounds like a motivational speech. But if you're a child of God, you're a believer, you're a Christian, you know there's truth in that statement because it all happens in prayer. We keep getting up time after time again in prayer. We keep praying because it is in prayer that we do indeed find a way. We don't stop. Jesus says we should pray like this. This widow comes to a judge, and not just one time, she just kept coming. And even when she felt like she wasn't getting anywhere, she just still kept coming. And not just coming to him. I love she says that he was pestering him. She was pestering him. Now, I want to ask you, be honest. How many of you sometimes get sort of irritated at repetition when people keep coming? Keep coming? You're like, oh, there it is again. You ever get irritated? Well, I can be guilty. Maybe I don't see anybody else. I'm, I'm alone. <laughs> no, no, I am that way. But you know what God says? God says, I will never get irritated with you. I want you to wear me out in prayer. I want you to be persistent and persevere in your prayer. So he says this judge. Then in Luke chapter 11, there's another guy he talks about in illustrating this principle. He says to them in Luke 11, verse 5, he says, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at not midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't give, get up, give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his friends, I love his phrase, shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. In the first century, everybody slept in one small room. Mom, dad, kids, everybody. And they snuggled close because it got cold at night. So here they are in a, in a room and they're all piled up and they finally, the kids have finally, finally gone to sleep. Can I say enough finallys? You ever been there as a parent? You finally got that child laid down. Maybe that child fell asleep in your bed. Or you fell asleep with them in their bed. And you're like, oh, they're resting so good. I don't want to disturb this, but I got to move. I got to go to the bathroom or I got to do something. I got to get in my own bed, something. you like, but I don't want to disturb them. You ever been there as a parent? You go sneaking out, try to sneak off the bed, and real slick, real to sort of get out of there. As soon as you get about two steps away, head pops up. God, here we go. They're going to be awake for hours. This dad goes to his friend who knocks on the door. He says, friend, I, I'm sorry, but... We're asleep. My kids are finally down. I cannot open this door. He's looking through the crack. I can't do this because they're asleep. Please go. But yet it says he gives him what he needs. Now on the surface, 
you can look at these two parables and say, well, Jesus is telling us that if I just aggravate God enough, I will get what I want. If I ask enough whys, and if I go in that child mode in a negative way, I go, but why? But why? And he'll finally say, well, fine. Here it is. If we just aggravate God enough, I will get what I want. But you got to understand the word parable. The word parable means to lay beside. So Jesus right here in these parables is a point of contrasting God with this judge and with this dad. The contrast, it's not a comparison, but a contrast because he's saying if somebody who does not want to help you, does not want to come to your aid, will indeed help you, how much more will your father, who is a good father, a good dad, give to you? It's a contrast in this story. How much more will your father in heaven give to you because even these people who was an unjust, unrighteous, un ungodly judge gave, a man who was asleep and refused, he said, but yet I will. How much more will your father do this for you? It's a contrast between the two. So he says, keep on asking and asking and asking. Seek and seek and seek and knock and knock and keep on knocking. We must be that childlike faith with Jesus. We must come to God asking like a child, believing like a child, even playing like a child. Now, you think about this for a moment. Think about little children. What do they ask for? Everything and anything comes to their mind, right? How often do children ask? Over and over and over again. It never stops. They will wear you out. How do little children ask? No shame. Boldless, boldly and fearlessly they come. They will ask anything and everything all the time, never just blink an eye. They're like, well, here it is. We must be those people who have no awareness. Like they don't know what's appropriate and inappropriate. They just ask. We must be that child who understands our father is a good father. He's a good dad. And I would ask you, what are you praying for? Is it relationships? Is it a marriage? Is it a miracle of healing? Is it a spiritual breakthrough? Is it an addiction? Is it financial struggles? Is it a prodigal child? Whatever it is you've been praying for and it hasn't happened yet, what is it? God is that good dad who wants to give good gifts to his children. Therefore, we ask, we seek, we knock, we keep on doing. You know, the truth I shared several weeks ago, if your prayers are not intimidating to you, they may be insulting to God. What if God came to you today and said, okay, everything you've been praying for for the last month, it's a yes. It's a yes. How different would your life be? How different would your family be? How different would your world be? How different would the body of Christ be? How different would your friends be? How different would it be? The command to pray. He says, don't stop, keep praying. The second thing is the promise of prayer. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. I want to ask you, do you believe that promise? Do you believe that? God's straight promise to me and to you, to everyone who's a child of His. But that question comes, 
But what about the unanswered prayer? What about that prayer that seems to line up with His will, but it's not happening? That prayer that goes to the ceiling and just bounces right back to the floor. Have you ever been there? What do you do with Jesus' promise here when you're faced with the reality that there are many things you ask for but don't receive? He said, but the reverse is true as well. The truth is, impact is promise is truly felt. We look at it in reverse. It says, no one finds unless he seeks. No one is given anything unless they knock. And no one receives from God unless they knock. Prayer is God's ordained means for dispensing His blessings. Now looking at this for a moment, just pausing here, can you, can you imagine, just think for a minute, can you imagine what life would be like if everything we ever asked for in prayer was given to us? Can you imagine that? On the surface, it sounds like it's Christmas time and yay! But think about this for a moment. If that happened, would that be a good thing? Life would definitely not be the same. I love what our great theologian, Garth Brooks, once said. <laughs> Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I don't know if he knew it or not, but that's truth. When Jesus says the one who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks it is open, it goes deeper than the surface. You may not receive what you're asking for. You may not find what you're seeking after. You may not see the door that you wanted open being opened. But I want you to catch this. But what you will get every single time is God Himself. When you're really asking, really seeking, really knocking, what you need more than anything is the one true God on the other side of that door. The Apostle Paul never saw prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but he saw it as a way to get more of God Himself. You see, the point of prayer is not always to get what we want, but to get all of God Himself, all of Him. The reality is, God does answer our prayers. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Man, sometimes it's wait. Why would God tell us to wait? While we wait, we persist in prayer. We keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. Why? Because God often says wait. He wants us to persist when we pray in order that we may be compelled to depend on Him more fully in our lives. To press in harder to Him. To lean closer into Him. If all we had to do was ask and it's granted, you know what would happen to us? We would sit back, say, lifted, ask, seek, knock, done. Write that one off, check the box, done. You know what then would happen? Our sinful, prideful independence would kick in. And we would think we're self-sufficient. God sometimes says, Wait. Wait. I've learned this more than ever in the past several years. And I keep learning it. And what I'm telling you when I say keep learning it, I haven't learned it yet. I'm still trying. I'm still struggling. But I'll share a personal story real quickly. One of the last times David was in the hospital, I 
had to leave her there. Hardest thing I ever did. I have learned in the past many years honesty with God, transparency with God, saying things I think will probably offend him, but God's going, it's okay. I'm a big God. I can take it. I was going home that night. I was in the car with the sunroof open and the windows down. It was a cool evening. And I hit our road and I just started screaming. And my screaming was, this is not the way things are supposed to be. This is not right. No. It's over and over again. Over and over again. Later in that period of time, I was on my way to church one morning still praying. In this asking, seeking, knocking, thinking, I'd love to freeze here. But when I was praying, God gives me one word. And that word was wait. And I said, wait. He said, you need to wait on me. Because I'm working. Wait on me. And I took that as what it was. And I'm waiting. But I told God that day, and I still stand on this. I said, God, I'm going to wait. You told me to. But while I'm waiting, I am not stopping pestering you. I'm at your door every time I can open my eyes. I'm knocking. I'm seeking and I'm asking. I'm not stopping because you told me to wait. I'm just keep coming. And I felt God tell me, he's like, that's good. That's what I want you to do. Keep on. But waiting is so difficult because I have a tendency, probably you have a tendency to think, well, if I just pray and I hashtag in Jesus' name, it's all good. I hashtag to God in Jesus' name, I'm good. God says, no, that means that you are putting your life in line with me. You're putting your life in line with my character and my will and my purpose and my plan for your life. It's not a passcode to prayer. It's not a secret to getting things done. It's not just a phrase that we hashtag. It is meaningful. We wait. i got to understand this. i got to dig into this as your father. As my father, God responds to prayers with what we need, how we need it, and when we need it. When God says wait, that tends to be the most difficult answer to accept. But while we wait, it's so important to know there's a purpose in the waiting, and we must do it well. And I'm not doing it well. I, I'm learning. Waiting prepares us to receive what God has for us. You know, God may be ready to give us what we want, but we might not be ready to receive it. He says, wait. Waiting on God to answer allows us the necessary time to process what we're asking for. In that waiting period, we're able to discern what we're asking and why we're asking. Like proofreading a manuscript, proofreading a book or something of this nature. I tell you this, when I, when I print this out at the end of the week, after I prayed and studied and done and printed it out, I'll go back through it. Thinking, boy, I've, I've knocked out no gram grammatical errors, I'm good, things flow. And I'll read it and I'm going, how did I miss that? So I go back to the computer, here I go changing. I'm good now. Read it again, two or three more. It's like, how did I miss those? Edits are happening over and over again as I read. And for you and me and all of us, prayer is like that proofing a manuscript. 
we keep praying and keep waiting and keep working it through, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. We're like, you're fine-tuning what you're praying for and how you're praying it and how God is working in your life. We have the command. We got the promise. We got the illustration in verse 9. Look at verse 9. Who among you, his son asking for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus affirms here another comparison. Contrast. He says, if you, as an earthly, imperfect, sinful, earthly dad, you'd like to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your perfect, good, loving, heavenly Father, your good dad, give good gifts to you? Our Heavenly Father definitely knows how to give better than we know how to even ask. God says, my giving is better than your asking. Much better. God will either give us what we ask, give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything God knows. God answers your prayers the same way you would answer your prayers if you knew all that God knew. And He knows. We'll close this thought. A.W. Tozer once said this, he said, the most important thing about you, about me, about all of us, is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. If we truly see God as our Heavenly Father, we know how to pray. But there's things that we get mixed up in. We might see God as our judge. Seeing God as a judge means we become an inner lawyer, always making a case why it's not our fault. We might see God as our boss. Then we'll do, then all we'll do is work really hard to earn his approval because we think that's our job. We might think of God as this cosmic, distant being that you go through religious rituals with but lack relationship and heart. If you think that God is only as king and not your dad king, you fall into religious cynicism always wondering how far you can go without crossing the lines. You think of God as just the old man upstairs. You'll be on your best behavior when he's in, in his house and do your own thing your own way when you're not in his house. But when you and I know him as Father, that changes everything. And it's still a learning curve. We've got to trust, trust that God is a good Father who gives good gifts to his children. And as his child, we have his promise that he does indeed give. Therefore, as his child, I ask and I ask and I keep asking. I seek and I seek and I keep seeking. I knock and I knock and I keep knocking because he's the one I go to. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's happening in your life. Respond to God in this time of worship as we stand and sing together by exalting his name. Lift your life to him. Lift your heart to Him. Lift your voice to Him. Let Him have His way in your life today. Stand with me if you would. Father, as we sing a song about exalting You, I pray that is our prayer, that we give You our lives, give You our very selves, give You our hearts, give You our minds, give You all of us to exalt Your holy and precious name. God, have Your way in us, we ask. Do a work in us only You can do. 
We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morganton.